Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Mark Magnuson. Hello and welcome into Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, brought to you in part by the Iowa Soybean Association. I'm Mark Magnuson. I will be joined in just a few minutes in this week's episode by Russ Parker and Riley Smith. Russ will provide his faith-based food for thought before Riley talks with CEO of the Cattlemen's Beef Board, Greg Haynes. That's coming up in segment two and three. Dustin, still currently in Brazil for his crop tour, he will be returning to Weekend Ag Matters next week. Let's go ahead now and turn our attention to this week's news headlines. Groups representing agriculture, infrastructure, housing, and petroleum filed a legal challenge to the new water of the U.S. rule. The Biden administration's WOTUS definition is an attack on farmers and ranchers and will be fighting back in court, says Mary Thomas Hart, chief counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. The rule removes long-standing exclusions for small and isolated water features on farms and ranches and adds to the regulatory burden farmers already face, says Hart. Non-agriculture groups in the lawsuit include the American Petroleum Institute, the Associated General Contractors of America, and many others. The new rule creates uncertainty for farmers and ranchers, even if they're miles from the nearest navigable water, says Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval. We believe a judge will see these regulations exceed the scope of the Clean Water Act. A Supreme Court decision in Sackett versus EPA could require the EPA to start over again on defining WOTUS. The number of combines sold went up while the number of tractors sold declined in 2022. Kurt Blades, AEM's senior vice president, says the decline largely reflects the robust sales in 2020 and 21. What has changed with 2022 is softness in that under 40 horsepower tractor market. That's more of an indication of how strong that under 40 horsepower tractor market was during the pandemic. We have seen really strong numbers in the ag specific markets, those 100 plus horsepower tractors and combines and even four wheel drives. So that's an indication that the ag market continues to be strong and the softness is showing up in in some of those more consumer style markets. They represent a lot of volume, so that makes the percentages look a little bit lower. Combine sales saw continued growth year over year and even month over month in December. Combines are ending the year at almost 16% above where we were this time last year. That's a very solid indication that farmers feel good about the economy. As you know, combines are a considered purchase. You don't wake up tomorrow and decide that you're going to spend three quarters of a million dollars on a piece of equipment unless you feel pretty good about what the future holds. So that's certainly part of it is the optimism that's out there about current income as well as the prospects for future income. The other piece that's very real is the technology of combines continues to improve. Supply chain issues are still a concern heading into 2023, but Blade says that the ag industry and farmers are adapting. We do see some light at the end of the tunnel. Certainly our members are telling us that. That being said, there are some underlying fundamentals that aren't going to be resolved anytime soon. At the heart of the supply chain challenges are labor challenges, a shortage of good solid workers, a shortage of transportation in the trucking industry. But I think some of the fundamentals of the industry have also changed maybe permanently. I think it's a good thing when farmers are able to plan ahead for what their equipment needs are going to look like next year, two years, five years out. And that sort of mitigates any of those delivery challenges they might have experienced in the last few years. 
Now is the slow time of year for the U.S. Drought Monitor. With January being the coldest month in the state of Iowa, the soil profiles are usually too frozen to allow any moisture in. However, with these unseasonably warm temperatures we've been experiencing, there's actually been a little bit of a change to the drought monitor. Dr. Justin Glisson said that while it's not much, we will take what we can get at this point. We've seen some improvement in drought conditions across the state. Now, of course, the soil profiles are basically frozen. We have frost depths across the state of anywhere from 6 to 12 inches down. Uh, but we have had warmer temperatures over the last uh, two weeks. We're averaging about 10 degrees above normal. So we have seen above freezing temperatures at the surface. Four-inch soil temperatures as of yesterday were in the mid-30s in southern Iowa. So we have seen with snowpack that has melted from the Christmas storm, some shallow infiltration of water. So if we look at the drought monitor depiction that was released yesterday, we've actually seen a 13% decrease of drought conditions, D1 through South Central up through uh, Northeastern Iowa, where we've had above average uh, rainfall and snowfall in December and January. So again, a slow time of year for improvement or degradation in the drought monitor depiction, given that January is the coldest and driest month. But so far, we're running warmer and wetter than average. To add insult to injury, we're not just in a regular drought anymore. Glisson said we're also experiencing a snow drought. So if you were to look at a snow depth climatology, so the actual snow depth on the ground versus where we should be uh, this time of year, we're actually in another type of drought, a snow drought. So portions of northern, uh, the northern third of Iowa have some snowpack on the ground, but still generally below average across the state. You look at the upper Midwest, when we talk about Mississippi and Missouri River levels, very low uh, right now, given dry conditions through late summer in uh in fall for both basins. Uh, we have an above average snowpack anywhere from six to 20 inches uh, uh, above normal. So that would be great uh, as we get into spring melt for raising our stream levels and our river levels, uh, but definitely below average for the state right now. That's Iowa State climatologist Dr. Justin Glisson. And farmers in Iowa can attend a USDA Risk Management Agency workshop to learn more about crop insurance options, including those designed for agricultural producers who grow specialty and organic crops. RMA will host the free in-person workshops Tuesday, January 24th in Davenport, Iowa. A morning and afternoon session is scheduled, and both have virtual options for producers outside the state or those who can't make it to the in-person event. The workshops will cover the ins and outs of the whole farm revenue protection and micro-farm programs, which are great insurance options for specialty crop, organic, urban, and other producers with diverse operations. RMA subject matter experts will provide an in-depth look at these policies. The events will include RMA administrator Marsha Bunger and other RMA experts. And that is all the time we have for headlines this week. Let's turn things over now to Russ for his faith-based food for thought segment here on Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Earlier this week, I attended a celebration of life service for my neighbor's dad, both good men. Part of the eulogy focused on the topic of gates, describing different kinds and the processes by which things are open and closed. Part of the idea was to demonstrate the process of changing generations and how that happens from the front seat of the pickup. An excellent analogy, I thought, of moving from the shotgun seat while the passenger got out, opened the gate, the truck drove through, 
Then the passenger closed the gate and hopped back up into the truck. Until one day, the passenger was now the driver, and a younger, eager face was the new passenger. And as happens lots of times, my mind moved from the physical gates we open and close to the cerebral part of my brain as I thought about life gates. These gates represent a passage of sorts that most of us go through in the normal process of life. And they are described with words such as learning how to ride a bike, graduation, marriage, purchasing a first house, birth of a first child, first grandchild, retirement. These gates represent those moments when we pass through certain milestones or experiences that represent steps of maturity in our circle of life. But there are other gates that often define us. Some seem to constantly hold us in, like addiction, unforgiveness, hatred, depression, the junk stuff that many of us long to be free of. And if that gate is opened and we are set free, so to speak, seems like the best thing to do is to close that gate behind us, lock it, and never look back. And then there are some gates which we always want to keep open, even invite others to go through as well. These gates could have names like patience and love and forgiveness and joy, all the pastures of life where gates are a good thing to keep open. When my thoughts go back to that pickup truck and the driver and the passenger sitting in the front seat, and I'm struck by the transition going on in that seat, perhaps the message was a lot more than what happens with generations going from one to the next. And I imagine that gate being heaven's gate, and the driver showing the passenger how to get there. But this time, the driver gets out and opens the gate, walks through, and closes it, leaving the driver's seat empty, and leaving an invitation to the passenger to continue the journey while life still offers breath. What a wonderful legacy for a husband or a wife or a parent or friend to leave behind. And at the same time, here, well done, good and faithful servant. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. Thank you, Russ. Up next, we will have Riley Smith with both segments two and three on this week's edition of Weekend Ag Matters. Coming up in segment number two, Riley will begin a conversation with the CEO of the Cattlemen's Beef Board. He is Greg Haynes. That's coming up next here on Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Mark your calendars for an event you won't want to miss. Registration is now open for the Iowa Soybean Association's Innovation to Profit Conference on February 16, 2023 at the FFA Enrichment Center in Ankeny, Iowa. Find research-backed solutions and opportunities to help you create a successful game plan to bring profitability to your operation. Register today by visiting www.iasoybeans.com. This message brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and the Soy Checkoff. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Riley Smith. Well, we are here today with Cattlemen's Beef Board CEO, Greg Haynes, just to talk about the beef checkoff for this year and some of the things to look forward to. Uh, first, off, uh, first off, Greg, just tell us a little bit about you know, what the Cattlemen's Beef Board does, what the beef checkoff is all about and uh, what it's for. All right, sounds good, thanks, Riley. Uh, yeah, so the Cattlemen's Beef Board, we're based here in Denver, Colorado, and we manage the National Beef Checkoff Program. So 
The program was started in 1986, and it's designed to uh, really be an industry self-help program to help promote beef and make it center of plate, especially compared to a lot of the other proteins that are out there. So we want our protein beef to be, you know, the number one selection. So we work with that. Uh, we collect the uh, funding and use it to allocate out to different programs. And again, all really designed to drive demand for our product. Right, and that funding, you know, just a little reminder, comes a, a dollar from every uh, sale of livestock, right? Exactly. Every time a cow animal is sold, a dollar is collected. So half of that dollar will stay in the state with the state beef council there so they can do uh, local activities or they could put it up to national programs as well or kind of do whatever they want with it. But that other 50 cents from every state does go to national. And so that gives us kind of the economy scale and ability to do uh, you know, those bigger programs, we can do large scale research programs, we can do larger promotions, you know, the whole beef that's what's for dinner programs are all developed uh, on the national level. And then those can be carried down to a local level too. the states can utilize all those um, assets that are developed on a national level and customize them and then use their grassroots abilities kind of to reach out to consumers in each of those areas. Right. And, you know, that uh, misinformation is such a big thing that we have to deal with in the ag industry. And I would say, especially in the beef industry, you know, there's people who are saying it's damaging to the environment. They're saying it's not nutritious as it, as it, you know, it would be. So what are some of the ways that you guys are, are fighting that misinformation and showing what uh, the beef industry and how beef nutrition really is? Right. And that's really what the whole checkoff is designed for us to help address these misperceptions that consumers have. Like, you, you know, you were saying, Beef is kind of being blamed for, you know, global warming and all this. And we know that really beef has a great story. Beef is a recycler, you know, cattle are recycling forage and, and plant material that really can't be used by humans or anywhere else. So they're, they're eating this and creating high quality protein. And really when you look at, um, you know, greenhouse gases and everything, cattles are, cattle are producing those in a cycle. It's a circle. We're not emitting new gases into the air. So any, any kind of greenhouse gases that come out the methane or whatever, you know, is reabsorbed by plants, cattle eat the plants, goes into the air, reabsorbed by the plants. So it's really a closed cycle. And people don't understand that, that we're not emitting new greenhouse gases. If you're looking at, you know, fossil fuels, yes, they're all putting new greenhouse gases and adding those into the environment. But really the cattle cycle isn't. So getting this message about the sustainability uh, the positive environmental impact, you know, you have cattle grazing on lands that, again, wouldn't be suitable for any other kind of crops, but by tilling with the hooves and fertilizing with the manure, we're actually increasing a lot of the, um, you know, plant material, plants that can be growing on those lands. So we have such a great story. So being able to quantify that with the research and then getting it out, again, is essential for our industry. And then not only is beef sustainable, but it is a great part of a healthy diet as well. Uh, so just talk a little bit about how that beef is what's for dinner uh, promotes that beef nutrition to show people that, uh, you know, adopting a, a good amount of beef into their lifestyle is really a healthy change. Right. <clears throat> nutrition uh, research has really shown that that beef is essential for the diet really at all ages and all stages of life. And so by being able to conduct this research and show the benefits for all the way down from infants to you know aging uh, adults, the nutrition and the, the uh, nutrients that are in beef are very unique. And really beef is the best source to be able to get that to create a very healthy lifestyle and 
and environment for you. So we're able to, to use that information again to reach out to doctors, to nutritionists, to help kind of dispel some of the uh, misinformation that had been produced earlier. You know, there's a whole uh, you know, story and book, The Big Fat Lie, that talks about how fats kind of became the target for um, you know, being bad for your health, when in reality, it's not. So this information can help counter all that, and it really shows that the fats and the nutrition and, and vitamins, minerals in beef really are essential and are good for you, and you can eat it every day as part of a balanced diet and be much healthier than you would be without it. Right, and that's one of my favorite things personally that I see from the promotion side is seeing those recipes that are posted online and just showing that you know beef is really affordable and accessible for you know just the average consumer. Yep, exactly. You know that's what the checkup does as well as you know showing consumers how to prepare beef. One of the good things about beef compared to say you know chicken or other uh, animal proteins is we have so many different cuts. There's so much versatility in the product. And that's, that's a huge advantage, but it's also a challenge because consumers don't necessarily know how to use all those different cooks, cuts or the best ways to cook and prepare those. So the checkoff has really developed a whole library of different ways to cook each different cut. And as we saw, especially during COVID, when people were at home and they weren't going out and they were doing more cooking, we had all that material ready for them. So they were able to just go on, find ways to cook and prepare all the different cuts that they were finding in the stores now since they weren't going to, to restaurants and stuff. And it actually really boosted consumption of beef and that's staying high. So consumers now see like, hey, beef isn't really that hard to prepare, super delicious, it's good for me. So they're, they're keeping do that, keep preparing beef at home. And what we're seeing now is that demand for beef was really at you know 30 year highs and, and staying at those levels. Again, we are talking with Cattlemen's Beef Board CEO, Greg Haynes. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break from segment two and return with segment three, where I finish my conversation with Cattlemen's Beef Board CEO, Greg Haynes. This is Weekend Ag Matters. Welcome to January and the beginning of the new year. While we don't know for sure what 2023 will bring, we always need to do our best to be prepared. The same holds true when you're traveling in winter conditions. Make sure you're always aware of the weather forecast, as winter weather can change in the blink of an eye or vary greatly between regions. And be certain of what conditions you may face throughout your route. You can always check conditions across the state by calling 511 on your phone or downloading the Iowa 511 app. This message on winter driving safety is from your friends at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Riley Smith. Well, and uh, speaking of that demand for beef, you know, not just within the country, but globally, you know, what are some of the things that the checkoff is doing to promote uh, U.S. Uh, beef exports to other countries? Right. Yeah, one area that the checkoff can work as well as, you know, marketing promotion research is in international um, promotions as well. So we work with the U.S. Meat Export Federation that has offices around the world to help promote U.S. beef uh, in the different markets. And this is, has been huge. This year, the final numbers aren't in yet, but we're looking at probably close to you know, $12 billion of exports, so huge numbers. And probably the kind of exciting thing about that is you know, here in the U.S., we're big consumers of steaks and ground beef, you know, hamburgers and that. But a lot of these other cuts, we really don't consume that much of. 
But in other cultures, those are high demand items and they pay a premium for them. So by doing this, we can you know, export a lot of these cuts that would be low val value here for a higher value in those markets. And so that really helps raise the entire value of the cutout and, and bring premiums back to the industry here. Well, and with those variety cuts, especially, I know that there's been quite a bit of success overseas uh, with exporting those there, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, when I'm talking to people, I ask, have you had beef tongue or beef lips or tripe, you know, within the last year? And pretty much everybody says, no, we haven't. And so if we weren't exporting those types of items, they would just be going into grind or to rendering, but here they're actually used, you know, beef lips are a huge item going to Mexico that they use for tacos. So we can get, you know, $1.50 a pound there. Beef tongue is huge in Japan. Uh, we can get eight, $9 a pound for them. So that increase in value really is uh, important and very big, because if not, we would have a lot of these items sitting here, which would just kind of pull down the entire value and uh, really not benefit our producers at all. Right. And then looking just ahead into this year, what are some of the things that will be going on with the Cattlemen's Beef Board and the Beef Checkoff that maybe producers should get excited about? Yeah, there's a lot that's happening. I mean, we're going to be having our big meetings in New Orleans at the beginning of February. Uh, we'll be having all of our committee meetings. We're talking about the activities and programs that are going on there. So I encourage anybody who's in the area there, swing by. You can come to any of the Cattlemen's Beef Board meetings for free, you know, they're open to the public. You don't have to pay registration or anything. Uh, and following that, we're gonna have the Beef It's What's For Dinner 300. So this will be the third time that the Beef Checkoff has sponsored the, uh, the big race at Daytona. It's the day before the Daytona 500. So on Saturday, they have the Beef It's What's For Dinner 300. So this has become really an exciting event. A lot of reach just with consumers there, but also the social media impacts and the TV and news reporting and everything have really been beneficial uh, going forward. We have a lot going on with um, STEM education for middle and high school students. So there are programs now that are actually getting uh, beef curriculum into students that are uh, into the science and engineering programs so they can see all the impacts and positive attributes of that. Um, and just, you know, again, moving forward with a lot of the different activities with new research, uh, looking how to continue to improve the safety and quality of the product, uh, utilizing bloggers and social media, again, to target consumers and really show them, you know, where that product comes from. One of, one of the things we see is that consumers trust farmers and ranchers, but they don't necessarily hear those stories as they get more and more removed from, uh, you know, rural and agriculture uh, you know, farming and all of that. So we really are working more to get a lot of those stories out there so that the producers can be telling the consumers, hey, here's what we do. Here's how we produce the product and, you know, how we care for the animals and everything. So a lot going on in all these areas, you know, sustainability, as we talked about, is a huge issue. So moving forward with that to ensure that information's out there and trying to dispel a lot of this uh, misinformation about uh, you know, beef production being bad for the environment. As we see, it really isn't. It has a lot of positive benefits. So just trying to really uh, push those messages out to consumers. And of course, we know that uh, any benefits that we see to the ag industry will also just cycle back around and provide benefits to the consumer as well. So it's just, you know, one big positive event. Yep, exactly. You know, I think as consumers learn more about beef, again, you know, they They've got a product that's so delicious, super nutritious, 
you know, good for the environment, good for them that um, it is, it's very positive for them. It helps our producers as well. And so it, it really is a win-win that, you know, consumers can get a great product that they like and that feedback goes back to producers. And what we've seen too, is that as this goes and we get more feedback from consumers, our producers have been able to really, you know, work with the genetics and work with their breeding programs to continue to improve that quality for the consumer. So it's a very positive cycle where, you know, we're getting that feedback, we're making better, better beef all the time. And it just kind of keeps uh, moving up in a positive way that way. Well, Greg, lots of great conversation today. For those of our listeners and our viewers who would like to get in touch and learn more and even get involved with the uh, Cattlemen's Beef Board, how can they do that? Yeah, no, I encourage everyone, you know, if you're a cattle producer out there, you're paying into the checkoff. And so we really value, you know, your contributions and your support of the programs. Any questions you have about how the program works, you know, feel free to call our office um, at any time. Call me, talk to any of our staff. You can also go to the website, drivingdemandforbeef.com. That has all the information on the programs, our contact information and everything. But it is, it's a very important program because really this is the only thing that the cattle producers have to promote our product. And as we know, there is a lot of competition for uh, the middle, you know, center of the plate proteins with consumers. You've got other animal proteins. We obviously have a lot of these plant-based meats and things. So this is really the program that helps counter that and uh, keep beef center of plate. Well, Greg, thanks for taking the time to visit with us today. And uh, I'll be down in New Orleans as well. So look forward to seeing you there. Great. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you there, Riley. Appreciate all the time today. And thank you to all the beef producers out there. That again was Cattlemen's Beef Board CEO, Greg Haynes. And that's it for today's episode of Weekend Ag Matters. Thanks again for tuning in. You can listen to this episode and more by going to the podcast tab on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network website at iowaagnet.com. For Russ Parker, Mark Magnuson, and Dustin Huffman, I'm Riley Smith, wishing you a great rest of your weekend. Join us again next week for more Weekend Ag Matters.